Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at The Truth Network for airing this program. Well, hey, everybody. We are so excited to jump into our show today. I'm here with our show producer, Jamie, and I'm Tyler. Jamie, how you doing? Hey, Tyler. I'm good. How yeah? are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. So glad to be here. And of course, we have our host, Andy George. Andy, how's your day going? Hey, man, my day's going good, Jamie. Great having you as always. Thanks. I love this time that we get. Yeah. I really do. I love the time we get just to sit around and just to talk in this format, uh, to talk about all things transformational, to have some guests on the show. And so wherever you're listening from, welcome to Crossroads Connection. Mm-hmm. We're so glad that you're here. And I tell you what, we got a fantastic show today. We really do. Yeah, I'm excited do. about it. I'm excited about it. Not oh, only yeah. because of what we're going to talk about when it comes to the transformation, but we got two, not one, not five, but but two. We have we have <laughs> two right. guests wow. on. In fact, we have two local youth pastors to the Raleigh Triangle area that are going to be on today. Awesome. And anytime you have youth pastors in a studio mm. with microphones, mm. I just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. There's seriously this a part true. of me that is... Uh, a little nervous. Are you a little anxious? <laughs> a little, little nervous because yeah. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. You were. And you put a microphone in front of me with uh, some sort of an audience and- Anything can happen. Magic happens. It's <laughs> the limit. <laughs> it's magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when you get two youth pastors in a room oh, together man. with two microphones, mm-hmm. you know what that is? It's double the magic. Double. Oh, oh okay. I almost said double trouble. Oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that also known as double trouble. But anyway, so we will introduce introduce them later on in the program. But in the meantime, we are excited about it. So we are in transformational year. I love the word transformation. It is a theme of mine personally for this year. It's a theme for our church, Crossroads Fellowship. I love what transformation stands for and what it is. And I love what it's doing to our church. I really mm-hmm. do. And what I mean by that is starting January 1st, we began a year-long through the Bible plan for CrossFit Fellowship, and yeah. I am in love with it. I love seeing what's happening, and I love the responses that I'm getting from our people, and also I'm preaching in real time on Sunday mornings of what we've read that week. So if you're listening right now, you can go to crossroads.org slash 2020 for more information. It has the Bible reading plan. It has a link. We're relying on the Bible app. We're using the canonical plan on the Bible app, which just means we're going from Genesis all the way through Revelation. And uh, I'm excited. I am. I feel myself being transformed by the Word of God. Mm-hmm. I really do. I, yeah. I see that happening. I when I read it. Uh, in fact, you know, even reading through the things that people are afraid to read through, uh, like the Book of Leviticus. Mm-hmm. You know, reading through that book. Yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed it. Uh, now, I didn't necessarily enjoy chapters and chapters of different laws and different things that are happening, but you really do pick up some amazing concepts and amazing realities of God's love for us. And here's what I love about this whole transformation, starting from Genesis all the way through. What you see is the redemptive work of God in everything. And you mm-hmm. see, I see myself in the story. You know, yeah. I see myself in everything that I read. I'm like, yeah, the Israelites did that. Yeah, I, I, do, I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're struggling with this. Yep, I struggle with that. Uh, and then thank God that we've got Jesus and, uh, and all the power that he has behind him because mm-hmm. we'd be in big trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of that, we have a clip from a recent sermon of yours. And we're actually going to take a listen to that right now, and then we can chat about it some more. We know that there's over 600,000 military-age men, age 25 and older, between 25 and 50-ish, right? 
There's 600,000 of them. You factor that out, there's a few million people. Aaron's one person. The guy he's been getting instructions with is gone for 40 days. They all start to surround Aaron and say, hey, Moses is gone. Uh, We need you to do something. We want gods to go before us. I don't think Aaron was completely eliminating the Lord from them. But what Aaron does and what the people do, I promise you is the same thing that I do. And I guarantee it's what you've done. They want the best of both. Let's build a God that we can control and have, that we can see and touch and feel, but we don't really want to lose the security we have in the God as well. And that's what they do. In other words, where's the line? How does it play out in our life? How often have we, God, I, I know I'm saved and I love you and I thank you for loving me and blessing me, but I still want my sin. God, I want you to bless me. I want to know that I'm securing you. I want to know that you love me. I want to know, I want to do just enough to feel and scratch that spiritual itch to make sure, God, that you know that I'm still in the game, but I, I kind of still want to go do what I do over here. And I kind of still want to have this taste of sin and I still want to have this line that's being drawn. How often do we wrestle with that? Where's the line? As we get into Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you start to see the holiness of God start to come through in a big way. Where God's kind of fed up with the sin game. And he starts calling his people to holiness. He really hasn't quite done that yet. But he starts to do that more and more and more. He starts to say, Hey, I'm holy, so guess what? you got to be holy. No more of this game. And I guess that's the same message for me this morning. And us, hey, let's, what would happen if we just stopped playing the game? What would happen if we stopped trying to play? How far can I go before I get in trouble game with God? And instead of finding that line, how about we just avoid the line altogether and pursue and run to holiness instead? Just what would happen in our life? Because that's what God's calling us to do. And I want you to see how far the Israelites went. Because if they did it, oh my goodness, they're the ones that actually heard and saw God. They saw a mountain shaking and heard the voice of God. I've never seen that. I don't think you've ever seen that. They saw the Red Sea split completely and dry ground and millions of them walked across it. I've never seen that happen. And if they can fall away within 40 days... I wonder how quickly and how much we sell God for less. Yeah, man, I really loved that clip and I loved this sermon uh, that you gave talking through kind of that story of the mm-hmm. the golden calf. And you mm-hmm. you mentioned a statement, and I don't think it was in this clip, but it, it popped back in my mind yeah. of, you know, the people were being led out of Egypt and they had all these Egyptian tendencies and That's ways right. of, of worship. Can you, do you remember that? Can yeah, you that? absolutely. I love that statement. And basically what I said was that it only took one night for the Israelites to leave Egypt, but it took over 40 years for Egypt to leave the Israelites. Mm, yeah. And I think you see that. I think that's what you're seeing. I think you're seeing that happen in this passage where, you know, they've only been gone for a short time. Like, let's not forget, like they leave Egypt and they're right now at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and Moses has been gone for 40 days. They've not left Egypt that long ago. They literally just saw the sea part <laughs> for them. Not that long yeah. ago. Yeah, they, it's still fresh in their memory, right? Mm-hmm. It's still there in their memory. But they were in Egypt for 400 years, 
and the Egyptian culture and some of the pagan rituals and the pagan worship styles and the lifestyle, as hard as you do to try to avoid that. I mean, let's look at us, right? Let's look at us. Uh, we are Christians, but we are in America, right? Mm -hmm. And how hard is it sometimes to say, well, this is an American culture or a worldly culture, and it's not necessarily what the biblical culture is, and we have a fight against that, and we battle that, yeah, yeah. and and we we deal with that, right? We struggle with this is the culture that God and His kingdom wants, and this is the American or the Andy culture that I want. And what I said in this is, where's the line? How far do we get close to the line? before we step over that line. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I want to read, if I could, just real quickly, just put it in context. That sermon came out of Exodus chapter 32, and I just want to read a few verses because I think it will make sense. In verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves around Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. That's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, they, they knew that the God, the I Am, Yahweh, is the one who brought them out. Yeah. But now they're saying, well, make us a God and make us gods that we can see and feel and touch. And we're going to say that's the gods that brought us out. And those are the gods that we want to move us forward. So in a sense, on some degree, they're turning their back on God. What's interesting, though, is Aaron's response to that. So Aaron responds to that and says, take off the rings of gold uh, in your ears. And he takes an offering of all the gold. And then verse 3, it says, so all the people took off the rings and gold that were found in their ears, and they brought them to Aaron. And when he received the gold from their hand, he fashioned it with a graving tool, tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Now, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. This is very, just, just remember our first statement talking through culture, God's kingdom, our culture. This is happening in real time. In my opinion, what's happening here is the Israelites want some kind of God. So Aaron does it. He bows to that pressure. Now, as I said in the sermon, there's a ton of, there's hundreds of thousands of people that are around him, if not millions of people around him, and it's one person, and Moses is gone for 40 days. Mm -hmm. So he, he bows down to what they want, builds a golden calf, but then in front of it, he builds an altar to God. Mm. It's kind of bizarre, right? It, mm. You look at that and you're like, why did you do that? But then I think to myself, I do that all the time, mm. or I mm. struggle with doing that all the time. And so then Aaron says, he built an altar, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And then verse 6 of chapter 32 of Exodus, and they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. They are literally mixing Egyptian pagan worship culture, and yet the covenant and laws that God has just given them. So did you notice they, they got up and they're doing the offerings that they just learned about. God was just teaching them about what offerings to bring to me. And you see that all through, especially the Pentateuch, the, the different kind of laws and the, the mm -hmm. sin offering, right? The sin offering and the sacrifice and the peace offering. So they just, they're, they're learning that so they're on one hand, they are implementing things that God told them to do, but they're doing it in a pagan format way. Mm -hmm. And I just can't help but think, that's me. Yeah. And that's yeah. us. And if we're not careful, what we do is we want God and all that he has to give us, but I still want to have my fun. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've loved absolutely love this journey we've been on and, you know, going through the Bible and preaching through all these different stories. Cause this is probably a, 
Maybe a story. I haven't heard a sermon on in a long time, so I've been mm-hmm. really thankful we're doing this as a church. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I hope that helps somebody out there listening right now. There might be somebody out there listening, and you're struggling with that. You're struggling with, on Sundays, I'm a Christian, and Monday through Saturday, I'm kind of getting as close to the line as I can. Uh, or You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or I pray to God only when I need Him, but then I'm praying to all my other idols. And that's a whole other concept, right? That was part of the sermon we were talking about idols and dead idols and and how often do we put our trust in something other than the God of the universe? And that's what we see the Israelites doing. We do that. And the way to not do that is honestly to do what Moses did. The reason why Moses went up to the mountain is because the Israelites didn't want to go up there. And they said, hey, Moses, you go. We're going to stay here. You go. So the answer for us is to keep getting as close to God as possible. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait. And so once again, I hope that that helps you in your awesome. journey. And uh, and so, hey, listen, uh, we're going to continue in this show, in this program. In just a few minutes, we've got two incredible youth pastors that are going to be here. And we are going to be talking about youth ministry and youth culture and an incredible event that's coming to the Triangle area. So we cannot wait to talk to these two guys. But before then, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question. Are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? You are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's C number three advantage.net. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back. And as I said, we are so excited about two of our guests that we have. And before we were talking about, I was a youth pastor for 15 years. And anytime you give a youth pastor a microphone, let alone two youth pastors a oh. microphone, uh, <laughs> awesome things can happen. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous time for us, but it's also very exciting. I'm a little nervous as I'm looking over here at Mark. I'm, I'm a little nervous about uh, what you may say. I was told not to say anything. So, <laughs> I'm good with yes, that. well done. No, already well it. played. Well played. You already, you already forgot that rule. So, we are here with two local youth pastors, and we have Caleb from Journey Church. How are you doing, Caleb? Doing well. How are Excellent. you? Excellent. Thanks for I'm having doing me. Doing great. How long have you been at Journey Church? So, this year will be uh, September, will be six years. Wonderful. Yeah. Excellent. And what's your actual role over there? See, I was originally hired as a middle school pastor um, okay. back in 2014. And then in December of last year, 2018, I guess a couple of years. Um, I shift to oversee both middle and high. So oh, nice. that's my current position. Excellent. Now. Yeah. Wonderful. And Mark, you are at Crossroads Fellowship. I am. And how long have you been part of Crossroads? I'm part of Crossroads, probably 15, 16 years, but that's on right. staff is eight. Yeah. Mark was ministry. one of my youth volunteers. You are my, my disciple. <laughs> Mark is a disciple of <laughs> No. Yeah. Mark was, uh, he was one of our adult volunteers, uh, an amazing adult volunteer. And mm. we're so blessed that you're now on. So you actually helped me. Launched the Wake Forest campus. I did. Thanks yeah. for bringing it up. That was fun. Yeah, it was a great time. We had a good journey there. And now, uh, so how long have you been actually on staff though with us? For eight years. Eight years yep. on staff. Excellent. So guys, we just got done talking through a little bit of cultural stuff out of Exodus 32. We're in this year of transformation. We're reading through the Bible. And I can't help but think that out of anybody on a church staff, the two of you probably deal with this in real time more than probably anybody else when you work with students. And, and here's here's kind of the question I have for you just to roll into before uh, we're going to talk about this amazing event called United coming up in March. But one of the things that I know you deal with is culture. And as we were talking about Exodus 32, we're talking about how the Israelites wanted to build a golden calf 
and yet they still wanted to worship God at the same time. It was kind of like right there. So Aaron built this golden calf, then he built an altar, and they got up and they were still doing some of the things that God told them to do at the same time of worshiping this pagan idol. Uh, so there's a cultural battle. How far is the line and the struggle between I want to do what God and God's kingdom says, but I also am pulled to culture and, uh, and American culture, obviously, for us. Uh, how do you see that happening with students in real time? I, I know you deal with that regularly. Yeah, no, um, I think one of the biggest things I've seen in student ministry is just a, a separation of church world and school world. Um, mm -hmm. It's almost like you have a group of friends at church, you have mm -hmm. a group of friends at school, and they really don't intersect. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, one of the things, the, the task that I try to do is uh, for our students is to inspire, empower, equip them to see their, their calling as a disciple like it's not just at church on a Sunday right. or whatever environment, right. you know, you create for your student. It's a lifestyle like you being a follower of Jesus yeah. sur surpasses the church campus. Mm -hmm. um, you're taking Jesus with you 24 seven. And I think that's the biggest hiccup that students that I've seen students trying to, they disconnect church and school. And right. they, don't, they think they're separate instead yeah, of yeah. just a life following yeah. Jesus. Absolutely. Mark, what about you? What do you, what do you see out there? Well, school, school is definitely their world. Uh, it's the culture that they're in, uh, more days out of the week and more hours out of the week than they are with us in church. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for them, the, the pressure to conform, the pressure to fit in, I mean, typical stuff you've heard all your life in terms yeah. of like school and the pressure, social pressure, but, uh, so much of that, uh, dictates how they operate and how they respond to, whatever challenges there are in life and, and their first response isn't necessarily how am I pleasing God in this? How am I modeling Christ in this? But it's more or less, what are my friends going to think about this in school? If I do this mm -hmm. or that, what's so the, their immediate response is their school world, not necessarily their world in terms of when it comes to their faith. And right. so that's, that's to me, it's always a battle. Like Caleb saying, it's two different worlds that shouldn't be divided or separated, but they seem to be. Absolutely. And Jamie, you you're you're a mom of two boys. I am. Uh, so, what do you see from from them, and how old are your boys? So, I have a ten year old and a thirteen, almost fourteen year yeah. old. So, yeah. what do you see being being the biggest pull on them? You know, in, in I guess the world or school or media. Is there anything you're seeing that you're kind of watching, going, <sighs> "Oh boy, that's a." That's a trap there, a danger there that you have. We're, I feel like we're my 13 year old, we're just starting the last year into all of that. He's, he's actually been a pretty sheltered, innocent uh -huh. child, but YouTube, he wants oh, to be, he wow, has a YouTube yeah, yeah. channel. And that was a whole, we went back, we had to pray about that. Uh -huh. He wanted to be a YouTuber. And uh -huh. we reluctantly gave into that because it was so yeah. important to him with a lot of boundaries, but it scares me daily because of the content that's out there. Yeah. 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 And even the commenting that he could receive it's, it's kind of this daily fear mm -hmm. for me of just knowing he's out mm -hmm. there but that was really important to him yeah they're they're hitting they're getting hit from everywhere and so are yeah. all we're, we're all getting hit from all different angles on different social media so as youth pastors you all are part of a network of other youth pastors and i believe that you have an event coming up that it's not a there is no one event that solves all issues but there's an event coming up that's literally called united 
that I think you guys are taking a big old dent into fighting back on some of this cultural stuff. So, so let's talk about United. It's coming up and it's going to be on March 6th and 7th, but tell us what it is and why you're, why, why, why are we doing it and, and who's involved and just give us all the goods on that event. Cause I think it's an amazing event. And if you're listening right now, uh, you're listening to this before the March event. And so we're also going to let them know how they can actually be part of it somehow. Yeah, well, really, United started, we're in our sixth year now, and we started out of conversations like where we, we noticed all these different youth pastors and student pastors and other churches doing their own sort of D-Now, Discipleship Now sort of weekends and right. retreat week, weekends. And we just started asking the question, why are we not doing this together? The resources, you're good at this. You have great resources here. Why, why don't we bring this together? If we're really trying to impact our, not just our churches, but our community and, and the counties right. around us, Wake County, what are we not doing together? So, so, so you're saying that people are doing their own kind of separate D-Nows yeah. and some of you guys nothing wrong with like, that Why don't either. we all just yeah. get together? Yeah, nothing wrong yeah. with that. But we're stronger together, right? I mean, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> We got better resources. And, Very true. And, and we, we found that the first, when we first launched it, we, we launched it in like three months span of from concept to actually enacting it. And it was actually fantastic seeing this idea that we had just blossom. And then, uh, but from there we've, we've, the, we planned, we've created so many different avenues to do this the right way. But anyway, when it, when it comes down to it, that's really the idea is that United gets to bring together all these different churches, uh, about 15 to 20 area churches involved this year, bring uh, a handful of students or hundreds of students to be part of this event, really with the idea that the ones that are going to really impact our community and our city and their schools are not necessarily someone like Caleb and myself. We hope we're part of it, but if we're empowering the students to do this the right way, they're the ones that are going to start changing the lives of the students in their schools. And so that's really where the idea of it all, all comes from. Uh, we want to empower them. The mission is to really empower these students uh, and also ministry leaders to impact their community and schools. That's excellent. And I can only imagine how beneficial it is for a student to realize that they're not alone or one of just a few that go to a school from a certain church. They go to an event like this and all of a sudden yeah. they see hundreds of students and they're like, oh, wow, look at all these students that that go to my school yeah. and they're, they're like-minded. And so that's got to be pretty powerful too. Yeah, and, that, and that's, that's kind of what we've seen over the past five years, um, why it's so important. Wake County, there's 160,000 middle school and high school students. Wow. Wow. Um, so I grew up in wow. a small town of 50,000. Yeah. Uh, so that triples uh, just middle school and high school students. Yeah. Um, and one of my volunteers is actually a teacher at a local high school. Uh-huh. And she puts out a survey at the beginning of the year um, to get some contact information. She's a band and course director, but she'll put religious affiliation um, just to kind of gauge mm-hmm songs she wants to choose, um, mm-hmm. to honor, honor the students. And, uh, of the 200 students that took the survey at a Wake for a Wake County public school, uh, 20 put a religious affiliation wow. or church. Yeah. So that's, that's 12%. Yep. Yeah. So yep. that's the, that's the need of United wow. is out of 160,000 students, mm-hmm. three fourths of them aren't following Jesus yep. and it, one church, one yeah. student pastor can't get it done. So yeah. if we can equip and empower our students to yep. reach that. So talk a little bit about the actual weekend of the event. So if my daughter's coming, she's, she's 15, uh, but why would a student want to come and what's, what, what can they expect for the weekend? When we all come together, bring the best of what we have, we're able to provide a weekend that that really like just sets the tone for so many of our ministries in the area. For for one thing, we've seen our numbers in this event grow from 400 students to what we're expecting this year, nine, 900 upwards of almost 1,000 students Excellent. that we're expecting. Uh, and, and so what we notice, oh, community is a big thing. Caleb and I were just talking yeah. about community over lunch. Well, really what it comes down to, these students 
They want to be where other students are. And if we're creating an event, that's not just an event to do an event, but it has a purpose and a specific design to help discipleship occur with our students and empower them. Uh, not not just not just that reason, but that we have an amazing speaker this year. Uh, Stuart Hall has come to speak. We have a worship Excellent. team from uh, an area local area ministry called Robertson. They're, my daughter loves them. Yeah, they are fantastic. They're incredible. Yeah, my and daughter so loves them. Yeah. Our stu- we, we are specifically designing with our students in mind with things they're attracted to. We, we even have things like bubble soccer, yeah. which is incredible. <laughs> uh, food trucks, all these things. But so stuff that feels like something they want to be part of. But it, uh, that that's uh, some of those things are attractional. Some things are deep, but really we want to take them on a journey in terms of really furthering their relationship with Jesus so that they see their school when they go back to it on Monday and maybe they saw a student at United and like, wow, wait a second. You're in my math class. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even yeah. realize you were a Christian. What are you doing here? Well, I didn't realize you were either. And then they right. go back, it goes and, back to that cultural thing yeah. of being yeah. influenced and yeah. not saying anything, you yeah. know, and they also think that boldness to start doing stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that idea special. of community comes back right there. They go back to school on that Monday realizing, this isn't that hard when I have you, I have you, I have you. We might be at a different church, but this is our school. And I give you a perfect example of that. Two years ago, we tried to partner with the churches coming and interview students that are doing stuff in their schools already. Oh, excellent. Uh, And so two years ago, we had a a high school senior start an anti-bullying club at Millbrook High. Nice. Um, And so we captured a minute and a half video of him sharing about it. And he came to me the following Sunday after United and said, hey, Caleb, you won't believe what happened. He said, um, I had 55 students show up to my club. Wow. And I said, well, that's awesome. He said, no, you don't get it. For the past three months, I've had five students show up. Wow. Wow. And everyone that came in said, oh, we didn't know you were doing it. We heard your video at United. Yeah. So it just goes to show that students don't realize other believers in their classrooms that they can partner together about hosting an event like this. Yeah. It's just making those connections, forming that community right. beyond. I think sometimes churches can get siloed into yeah, very this much is so. our church yeah. instead of there's a bigger picture here. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how can people find out information about this? What, what do you want them to do? So they go to unitedrally.org, yep. get Excellent. all the information they need there. They could even continue to sign up. Um, individually, or they can do that with their churches. Uh, a lot of our churches already have already bought tickets ahead of time, and they're working that way. Uh, so that's really the best next step for anyone excellent. right now. That is excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for yeah. being here today. Go to unitedrally.org. March 6th and 7th is the United Rally event. Thank you guys both so much for being on the show. Thanks Appreciate for having it. us. Yeah. Thank you for joining and listening to our program today. And thank you to Crossroads Fellowship and the Truth Network for making this show possible. You can find out more information about Crossroads Fellowship at crossroads.org. If this show has impacted you, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at crossroads.org. Thank you to C3 Advantage for sponsoring this program. We look forward to having you join us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.